Welcome to DC, and welcome in to the Dom and Thunder Show. No Thunder, just Dom today. Uh, thanks for listening to our Nationals Midseason Review, Part 2, where I dish out report cards for each of the positional groups, including going around the diamond, the outfield, bench rotation, bullpen, and even manager Davey Martinez. Part 2 of our three-part Nationals Midseason Review, series part three coming out monday july 2nd where i'm going to be discussing specific trade targets that i'd like to see the nats go after so if you like this one make sure to tune in tomorrow and then of course if you somehow missed out on part one of this series released saturday june 30th where i talked about bryce harper and juan soto please go ahead and check that out let's get right into it this is part two of our nationals mid-season review so let's shift gears a bit from the, the greatness of Juan Soto. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, we are now about halfway through the year. And the Nats sit 42-38, and 38, again, four games behind the Braves. So, right now I'm going to go through their roster, go through each position, give you a letter grade, or a port card grade, so to speak. And then after that, we'll be... The more interesting part, which is, you know, the July 31st non-waiver trade deadline is literally a month away, 30 days away. Who specifically should the Nats target to bolster their roster that we're going to talk about right now? So that's what we're looking at here for the second half of the Nationals Mid-Season Review podcast. And let's get started. So, starting around the diamond and the catcher position... It's been a combination of Pedro Severino, Spencer Keyboom, and Matt Weeders. Now, Weeders was supposed to be the the starter, basically, for the whole year. Uh, late signing last year from Baltimore, and he's been injured. He's been injured for a while. He's only had 65 at-bats in 2018, had a DL stint in April, came back for a week or two, then has had a really long DL stint here as he's had an issue with his hamstring, or his oblique. He's been on the 10-day disabled list uh, since May 20th, and there's really no timetable when he will return. When he has been playing, he hasn't been good. 65 at-bats, 15 hits, 3 homers, 7 ribbies, on base 34% of the time. Not that great production. When Weeders went out, you know, you thought Severino would be Definitely a capable replacement. It really hasn't turned out that way. Severino, 160 at-bats leading Nats catchers. Batting 175 with 28 hits. Has not hit the ball out of the ballpark yet. Driven in 11 runs, he gets on base just 27% of the time. And most of the time he'll bat you know, 7th or 8th, depending on if Davey bats a pitch or 8th like he normally does. Spencer Keyboom is even more trash. I mean, he is he's simply here because Weeders is out. He's 
the next catcher in the system. I mean, he's 27 years old, minor league vet, gets the call this year, has done nothing, batting 214 with nine hits and 42 at bats. So, overall, this catching position right now, I'm going to give it a C minus. And the only reason it's not lower is because I will give Severino credit. He's got a strong arm. And he knows when to throw a second, when to not throw to second, when to, you know, whip the throw to first to catch a runner off guard. He's thrown out 13 runners on the base pass this year. And that's good for fourth in baseball. He throws out uh, 33% of runners attempting to steal. And that is some very solid stuff from Severino. The one knock on him, other than his atrocious hitting, is... I heard this on the, the broadcast, I think it was Thursday, when Roark was on the bump. Uh, F.P. Santangelo, color commentator for Masson, on the Nets broadcast, he said, uh, these pitchers and Pedro Severino, they hadn't been on the same page. There's a lot of mix-ups when it comes to you know, different signs and some miscommunication about which pitches are or should be thrown in certain situations. And you look at the numbers, the Nats rotation, in June at least, with Strasburg out, horrible. And we'll get to them a little later, but, I mean, that's a concern. You need a, a capable catcher that can, at the very least, handle the pitching staff. It doesn't seem as if Severino's doing a very good job of that right now. So overall, the catcher position, I'm going to give it a C-. Hence, I think they should upgrade there. I'm moving on to first base. This has also been sort of a, a revolving door. All right, you've got Matt Adams who's had the most at-bats, 153. He's on the DL now, unfortunately. Uh, he broke his his finger, I think, and that was a week ago or so, and he's been out. But Matt, we- or Matt Adams, in Ryan Zimmerman's absence, who should be the starter and when healthy, can do some real damage. Matt Adams batting 275 with 13 bolts and 36 ribbies. He'll get his walks, a very capable power hitter. And he's proved that throughout his whole career. You know, hit 19 bolts in 100 games for Atlanta last year. Very, very solid pinch hitting threat off the bench, at the very least, and then can provide some solid defense at first, and he's a solid bat to have in the lineup. Matt Adams has been great. Uh, They bring in Mark Reynolds... That signed him uh, just, a, just a few months ago when he first came into the Nats lineup in the Nats, the Nats bench. He was raking, and it was almost hard for to take him out of the lineup. I mean, when he came in in May, I mean, just look at his numbers. Six home runs, eight RBIs, that 356, won just 45 at-bats. Contrast that to June... 45 at-bats, hitting 111, hitting 111 with 20 Ks. Reynolds is very, very much a, a hot and cold hitter, and that's sort of been his calling card throughout his major league career. Come back, come back down to earth a bit. So, Adams is out on the DL. Reynolds, bench bat right now. So, right now, really getting the bulk of of appearances at first base is Daniel Murphy. Came off the DL 
a little while back. He's appeared in 15 games at this point. Not doing a whole lot. He's only batting 200. 20 games, 50 at-bats, 10 hits. Has not hit the ball at the ballpark yet. And that's something that's just going to come. He's going to get more comfortable as we progress here. Uh, I, I still love his swing. I love his approach. I mentioned this earlier with Juan Soto. I mean, just a very short, compact swing, and it rarely strikes out, if ever. Only struck out, I mean, six times. Six times in uh, 50 at-bats, 52 play appearances. Murphy's going to get back on track. I'm not worried about that. And, of course, Ryan Zimmerman, he's on the 60-day DL right now. He's got a rough back injury. Uh, he may return soon, but I need him to be Ryan Zimmerman of 2017, where he uh, went for 36 bolts and 108 ribbies. He needs to be that Ryan Zimmerman for the Nats, uh, at least until Matt Adams comes back, and then you'll sort of have maybe a controversy there. Maybe Matt Adams will get some postseason at-bats. Anyway, overall, this... The first base position right now, I'm going to give it a B plus. You've got a capable name there in Murphy. Production isn't there yet, but it'll pick up. Matt Adams, definitely capable once he gets off the DL. Zimmerman on the DL. Or Reynolds, he's a bench bat. So, it's a B plus right now. If all those guys come back, and we start to get some Zimmerman production from Zimmerman, then that's possibly an A type group. Second base. As mentioned, Daniel Murphy uh, getting a lot of time at first with the injuries to Adams and Zimmerman, but also because he may not be as as healthy yet with, with that leg and they're taking it easy until he's 100%. So getting most of the appearances now is Wilmer Defoe. 244 at-bats to be exact. I mean, he's playing every day at this point. He's logged 78 games. Nats have played 80. Default is the definition of average. You're not going to get a 20 home run, 75 RBI uh, production from Wilmer Default. Right now hitting 246 with 60 hits, 22 RBIs, on-base percentage near 30, it's it's very much a, an average production from Defoe that you're getting. And he's batting ninth most of the time, as mentioned earlier, Davey likes the best pitch, or eighth. You're not going to expect a ton from Defoe. Provides some solid defense. But he's a bench bat at best in in, those, in this league. So hopefully Murphy's going to get healthy soon. Hopefully Adam, Zimmerman, all those guys get healthy. And we can have Zim at first, Murph at second, and you know, the opening day lap we all thought. So Defoe right now, solid B job. He's doing a solid B job for what he's been asked to do, fill in for uh, Murphy. Shortstop, Trey Turner. Trey Turner, ah, I'm tempted to go A-. minus. I'm going to say B+, plus only because, I mean, look, he's not the A-plus talent we all thought they were going to get. Back when he debuted in 2016, you know, finished second in the Rookie of the Year balloting. He hit 342 that year, stole 33 bags in limited time. He only played half a year, 73 games to be exact. He then hit 284 last year. This year he's hitting 270. I mean, he's not 
of that all-star, a uh, once-in-a-generational player that we all thought we were getting uh, back in 2016 in his rookie year. Hasn't been that this year. Now, maybe he'll turn around in the second half, but fairly... He won, won the, I will say one of the best shortstops in the NL, again, NL, NL classes weak in general, and shortstops are no different, but he's up there, and the only thing that's really saving him, I mean, 270 batting average, solid, 9 home runs, 29 RBIs, solid, in the leadoff spot most of the time, taking his walks, which is nice, 39 walks, but what's really what's his calling cards is his speed, right? This his 80, 80 speed, and he's gotten twenty two stolen bases this year, which will probably turn into I, my guess will be forty five fifty by the end of the year. Maybe cashing his total of forty six last year. So Turner, uh, he's very he's set in stone as an ash shortstop. I'm gonna give him a B plus. Hopefully he can. Set the hitting up a bit to be maybe up around 290, 300 by the end of the year. Maybe knock 20 homers and 70 RBIs or so. That would be that'd be an exceptional year for Trey Turner. All right, third base, Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon is one of the Nats' best hitters and probably their best hitter right now, besides Juan Soto. He's hitting 292. That average just kept on climbing since he, uh, since he came off of the disabled list. He's just getting more comfortable, and more comfortable, getting on base 36% of the time, slugging over 500, 530 to be exact. 11 homers, 35 RBIs. This dude is one of the best third baseman in baseball. We all know this, and uh, his production is is showing that. I mean, 61 games, 11 homers, 35 RBIs, that's going to average out to about 28 homers, 100 ribbies or so over the course of a full 162. He's struck out 44 times, he's walked 25. That ratio is always really, really good with him. Hitting 292, that average is going to keep on climbing, having a really, really good June. Love what I'm seeing from Rendon. Most consistent infield infielder that the Nats have and probably the most consistent player on the club at this point. He's an A player right now. Moving on to the outfield. A crowded outfield, to say the least, where we've already talked a lot about Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, but you've also got two other guys that are sort of rotating for that third outfield spot in Adam Eaton and Michael A. Taylor. Taylor and Eaton are platooning. Obviously, Taylor, the right-handed batter, getting a lot of playing time because he's leading the NL in, in stolen bases, which I never thought was a real possibility with him. I knew he had great speed, but, I mean, 17 steals last year, 14 the year before, 16 the year before that. 23 already this year, at least, baseball. Hitting 240, but heating up of late again. He's got some pop, even though he hasn't really shown that yet, but... That Taylor's speed is is huge. Now, I, if I were Davey, I would be playing Adam Eaton every day because Eaton's just coming off another lengthy DL stint, and I really want Eaton healthy because when Eaton's healthy, and 
we've seen him at 100% the beginning of beginning of April this year and beginning of April last year. He is simply sensational. Look at his 37% on-base percentage. That's really what he does well. He gets on base at the top of the order. You have Eaton, Eaton bat first, Turner bat second, depending on, or maybe Turner first, Eaton second, depending on righty or lefty on the mound. He, he, Adam Eaton's got to be the starting center fielder in the postseason, or if we don't make the postseason, at the very least, uh, the September run. So I'm not sure what we're doing here with the whole Michael Taylor platoon situation. I like t- Taylor as, you know, capable pinch hitter. He's got some pop. If Juan Soto falters a bit, you can plug Taylor in. If Bryce Harper needs a series off, like I suggested earlier, plug Taylor in. Be that fourth outfielder a la Jason Worth last year. Or uh, Howie Kendrick even, even though he doesn't play as many positions, but or a pinch runner. Provide that speed to the bench. I think that's where Taylor's could be best suited here down the road. So the outfield the outfield's A plus because you've got the power with Harper and Soto. Taylor's showing flashes. You've got the speed with Eaton uh, to a certain extent and, and then Taylor obviously leading baseball in stolen bags. You've got your got Eaton Soto hitting for average. Uh, Harper walking a ton. Soto discipline. I mean, this is just a loaded outfield. And defensively, very solid as well. Harper's got that cannon. Soto, uh, native defensive war right now because I would like to see more from him on the defensive side of things. But hopefully get it figured out in left field. And Adam Eaton, one of the top center fielders in all baseball. So right now this outfield is an A-plus outfield. So the last few uh, positions here, and then we'll get to uh, specific trade targets and that should look after. Looking at the bench, already talked about a little. You've got Brian Goodwin as your sort of fifth outfielder behind Taylor Ian Harper Soto. You've got Matt Adams, who's going to be your bench power Adam Lynn, Clint Robinson type when he comes back. Mark Reynolds from the other side of the plate. Right-handed slugger that can belt, pinch it, bombs. And then the backup catcher right now, Spencer Kibu, as well as whoever's not playing between Taylor and Eaton. And most of the time, that should be Taylor. So, in full force, this is this is not the, the Lind, Kendrick, Goodwin, Defoe, Severino. It's not, it's not that fantastic bench from 2017, but it's still very capable. That's why I'm going to give this bench an A rating. You've got some pop with Goodwin, Adams, Reynolds. Everyone can do it. You need a clutch pinch hit. Matt Adams is your guy hitting close to 300. need a stolen base. Michael Taylor off the bench. Brian Goodwin can do the same. Defensive replacement. Brian Goodwin's your guy. There's just a lot you can do. With this bench, and that's why I give them an A rating. Moving on to the bullpen. Uh, This bullpen is different from previous years in that you don't need to go out and get a Jonathan Papelbon or a Ryan Madsen, Sean Doolittle type because you already got Doolittle in the back end. You've got Kelvin Herrera, who they just acquired. 
Not a whole lot needs to be done before the July 31st non-waiver trade deadline. However, I will say you can always improve on that. I mean, Rizzo says it all the time. You can never have enough capable back of the bullpen arms, situational guys, whoever it is. But you don't need to go out and trade a bunch of prospects for, I don't know, a Zach Britton, for instance. Don't need to do that. Because Sean Doolittle right now is one of the best closers in baseball. He has been the last two years since joining Washington with an ERA of 1.6, a whip around 0.5. Think about that. Half the time, he's not even allowing a base runner in his save situation. 21 saves, speaking of which, 33 innings, 44 Ks. Dude's just, he's a lawnmower. He mows people down, and that's all he does. Kelvin Herrera recently acquired. Fantastic trade. Barely gave up anyone. Herrera, 1.47 ERA. Had experience closing if there's a right-handed heavy batters batting in, in the ninth inning. Misses bats, 26 Ks. Now, doesn't throw 100 miles an hour like he did 3-4 years ago in that World Series run for Kansas City, but still throws 95-96. Wipeout change. Moving on, Ryan Madsen. Not having the greatest of years. Had some injury issues. 31 games, 3 saves, 29 Ks. Just hoping that last year wasn't sort of out of the ordinary for Madsen, a 38-year-old reliever who's been through a ton in his MLB career. Hopefully it's hopefully it's not just a, a one-and-done type thing. But if he can get back on track, that'd be absolutely huge for the Nats. That's your eighth-inning guy, Brandon Kinsler. Not having the greatest of years, 4.3 ERA. Has been on the DL, recently activated. But he's your situational 7th inning guy that can get those ground balls that you need. Double play specialist. Not going to miss bats like Matson and Herrera. Or 8th, ninth inning guys. The other right in the bullpen, or sorry, two more righties in the bullpen. First, Sean Kelly. Actually not doing all that bad this year. 3.72 ERA if you... Look solely at that, but I can't trust him at this point. He's your mop-up. Roark goes four. You need a guy for the fifth against the the back of the lineup. Like, that's your guy. He's your mop-up guy at this point. In a more elevated role is Justin Miller, who's been absolutely terrific. He's got the deceptive delivery that it's just so tough for hitters to pick up. Not to the extent of Max Scherzer, who literally hides the ball as he releases it. But Justin Miller has been exceptional. This is a guy that, on a minor league contract, wasn't even invited to spring training. Has been through the league with the Rockies, the Angels, etc. If he can strike out some guys, you know, key situations, 6th, 7th inning, that's a plus. Now, here's where the problem lies. If you go to the left side of the pen, Sammy Solis recently optioned in the wake of Jeremy Hellickson's recalling. So, as it stands now, your lefties in the bullpen, besides Doolittle, your closer, are, are Matt Grace, 
who's your sort of long middle relief guy that can eat up some innings. And then Tim Collins. ERA below two, but Tim Collins, eh, that's not the guy I want to be trusting, you know, in a key spot late in games. So, you know, a situational lefty. So maybe that is a possible need for the Nats. Again, we'll get to the trade deadline stuff in just a bit. Bullpen overall, I'm going to give it an A-. Like to see some lefties added. I would like to see Kinsler, Matson be on top of their game. Because if they are, this is a dirty bullpen. One of the best in the National League. And then second to last, the rotation. Getting a boost, definitely, with the activation of Jeremy Hellickson from the disabled list. Demoting Sammy Solis from the bullpen, which is kind of surprising. I thought they might demote Jeffrey Rodriguez. Their current, or their fifth starter before the activation. But Rodriguez stays as your sort of long man. But, I mean, Scherzer at the top, as good as it gets. But after that, ugh, it's just a, a bunch of inconsistent arms. You look at Gio Gonzalez. You know, not the high 2 ERA that we saw last year. He was that in April, but he's sort of fallen off in June, late May. Hasn't been as consistent, walking a ton of guys, getting frustrated. Of the Geo of 2016, 2015, so to speak. Tanner Roark, your third starter, Strauss on the shelf. And, you know, he's hasn't gone deep into games at all. He's a 4-5 inning guy right now. Now, in his start Thursday, very solid against uh, Aaron Nola, getting that two-seamer to work. But he needs to improve a ton for me to feel confident going to a, a must-win game four. Eric Fetty had a good start Friday night. Now, didn't need, a whole, didn't need to do a whole lot, but, you know, five innings, that's, that's what he's going to provide now. Similar to Roark. He's got that two-seamer in his back pocket. Not a big strikeout guy, at least yet in the bigs. But at best right now, he is your a 6th, 7th, a depth starter. Preferably either a long man in the bullpen or in Syracuse. Jeffrey Rodriguez has had some moments. I love his arm, but young and experienced. Don't want him pitching any... Big game down the stretch here. And Jeremy Helkson, God, do I love Jeremy Helkson. I love Jeremy Helkson. Not flashy, not going to strike out eight guys over six innings. He's a five-inning, get-in, get-out, quality start type pitcher. And that is as good at, as good at probably right now most, second most consistent pitcher on, this, on the, the, the staff. Love me some Jeremy Helkson. So the rotation right now with Strasburg out, and hopefully when he comes back, he can uh, revert to his um, second half of 2017 self, where he was simply untouchable. That would be terrific. And you can go into the playoffs again, as you did last year with Strauss and Max, sort of interchangeable, doesn't matter who pitches game four, game five, whatever. That would be big. So... Rotation right now, a B- minus because of that back end that's uh, just really shaky right now. And then finally, Davey Martinez. Right now is a B for me. Not doing anything spectacular. 
I do like the aggressiveness he's sort of in, in, implemented on the on the Nats when it comes to running the base paths. I I would rather be aggressive and run into outs than not be aggressive and finish last in stolen bases as they were, I think, back-to-back years with Matt Williams under the helm. I like how he's giving guys the green light on the base pass, for sure. Handling of the, the bullpen. Haven't had a lot of issues with that yet. I did not, I don't like the whole Sammy Solis a 70 appearance guy that he was on track for before he surprisingly demoted. It's kind of weird, but I guess he had, he was the only bullpen pitcher, pitcher who had an option left, so that's kind of why he, he had to be demoted. But before that, I mean, he was the the workhorse facing those lefties in those tough situations, needing a ground ball or strikeout. But another thing I don't love, his handling of, of Bryce Harper, I talked about earlier, don't love him moving him around the lineup so much. And I don't like, I know this is a Madden, Joe Madden, a Chicago Cubs thing, moving around the lineup, shaking it up based on who's hot, who's not. I don't love that. Much rather Dusty Baker, loyal, a copy-paste lineup sort of thing, because I think guys just get more comfortable in their roles. Like I said earlier, don't want Harper being a passive in the leadoff spot. Don't want him being over-aggressive if he's batting 4th or 5th per se. So, David Martinez, solid beat. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Dominic Thunder Show. If you enjoyed Part 2 of our National Excuse Review, and even if you enjoyed Part 1, please give us a follow. We're at Dominic on Twitter. Email us at DominicThunderShow at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, etc. Additionally, follow DMB Sportsnet at DMB underscore Sportsnet. Check out all their great content on that website. Of course, we are now partnered with them, so as you support us, please support them. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or, or SoundCloud, wherever you are listening. That'll do it for us here. Part 3 coming tomorrow, Monday, July the 2nd, 2018. So for Thunder and NYC, I'm Dom saying so long, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>